Welcome Zoe Church to Sunday service. How are you guys doing today? I pray that you guys are doing well. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to hear from you, to pause, to be together, to gather, to sing together. Jesus, as we jump into your word today, Father, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would allow us to hear from you. Father, I don't know who's tuning in online today. I don't know where they're from. I don't know if they're hearing it later on through the Spotify podcast or whatever. Jesus, my prayer is that you would take uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts and maybe pleasing to your sight. Would you be able to use that, Father God? Would you be able to lead us into your presence? From people who are struggling in this season right here uh, in Ontario, in Canada, whether it's people across the world, in the season of life that they're in, Jesus, I pray you would meet them. I pray that they would see the amazing God that we serve, the, the great God that we serve, the magnificent God that we serve. Lord Jesus, you love us so deeply, and thank you for today. Pray in your holy and precious name. Amen. Guys, uh, if you are uh, new here, again, just a welcome. So glad that you have joined us online. We have been in a mini-series just last week, and then today is the last part, because guess what? Christmas is coming up, and it's called, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. And what we've been doing, or what we did last week, was we spent some time in another story, in a story about what Christmas is really about, about a birth of our Savior, the anticipation, the prophecies that have been for millennia, for thousands of years before Jesus. We've been looking at how they were fulfilled. God's hand in bringing together the birth of the King, birth of the Savior of the world, the birth of Jesus Christ. And what we are doing is just looking at two specific situations in which God chose to send an angel to a woman, to meet her in a powerful way, and to do something miraculous. We talked about uh, last week how uh, the angel Gabriel was uh, uh, sent by God to go and find Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were a husband and wife, who were old already by age. They had no children. They were righteous uh, uh, men and women in front of God, and yet uh, children were deemed as a sign of blessing. And yet they uh, had no children. They were struggling with this idea and how God gave them the news of a miraculous birth through through the angel Gabriel. And how then, you know, later on as we see the other side of the story, how that would later become John the Baptist, the one who was going to prepare the way for the Messiah, the one God orchestrated this so that one person would go ahead of the Savior to come to kind of tell the world, hey guys, This is Jesus. I am proof of it. My miraculous birth and life is proof of it, as well as so many other prophetical things. And today what we're going to do is we're going to look at another woman who also encountered the angel Gabriel. And maybe you know who I'm talking about. That is her name is Mary, soon to be the mother of Jesus. And so if you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 26 to 38. To set, to set the scene, to understand the story of what's going on right now, and then we'll jump into the word that I believe God has uh, for us today. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Follow along if you have your Bibles. This is what it says. In the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, this is the angel, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will be called the son, uh, sorry, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and he, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There are two main elements in this narrative that I want us to focus on, that I want us to contemplate today. The first is the miraculous encounter with the angel Gabriel. You know, God sends Gabriel to deliver a message, hence why, by the way, they're called angels, because that actually means messengers, and so that's what angels are there for. They're, send, they're, they're, they're to send God's message throughout and, and, and get his word out throughout his task, etc. And so... That's what he does. He did that to Elizabeth and Zechariah just as we read last week. And now again, he's sending Gabriel the angel to do what he had just done, except it was a little bit different. See, the miraculous birth of Elizabeth and Zechariah were different from Mary's because when, 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 if you go back to last week's sermon or just go ahead and read it because it's in the same chapter of Luke 1, you'll see that John, who was to be born to Elizabeth, the, the, by the way, Mary and Elizabeth were cousins, okay? They were relatives. John, who was to be born to Elizabeth, the prophecy and the promise about this one was he is going to reflect and, 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 and point to the, one, the Most High. He is going to prepare the one of the one to come. It's, it's kind of like he was miraculously born to support the one who was to come. But notice Mary's promise of the miraculous birth. It's not this guy is about to come to help out, you know, also, you know, supporting the one that's going to come. He's not going to be here to prepare the way for someone else. He, in fact, is defined as, what does that word say? He's going to be called the Son of the Most High. Son of God. And I know today we're like, well, sure, Jesus was the Son of God. What does, that, what does that have to do with anything? You have to realize that in her day and age to understand that I am going to give birth to the Son of God, the way they understood, by the way, sons and fathers was not how we understand sons and fathers. In fact, the way they understand sons and fathers is, is, is like, when I call you the son of someone, it's like you are the very characteristic in nature 
of them. It's like you, it's like you have their blood. It, it's, it's almost, if I call you the son of someone, it's like I call you almost like them. And then to be told, you are going to give birth to the son of the most high, the son of God. Mary is, un, like, like, it's totally different. This is of a next level. This is of the one, the Messiah, the promised one to come. Now, we don't know how educated Mary would have been. We don't know. I mean, she was super young, uh, uh, and, and she was betrothed to get married, which uh, when you, people who would get betrothed to get married during their age were young men, and guys and girls both would be young in these days before they got married. And, and, and that idea of like betrothed is not that they are married yet. It actually means that they were engaged to be married. That's how we would understand it today. So that period would kind of last a year. They would be betrothed for a year, and then they would actually get married. But pretty much everybody would, you know, consider them a thing at this point. So Mary and Joseph were a thing at this point. Like, like they were betrothed to be married. Like, like it wasn't like they were totally separate or totally together. It's kind of like this middle, weird middle period that we, I think, can understand as engagement. So that's the situation where they're super young, she's betrothed to Joseph, and yet this angel has come and said, hey, listen, uh, you're going to give birth to this child. And so given all of that, from what Mary's situation and circumstance would have been, despite her being young, despite her betrothed, despite anything else, as a Jew, she would have understood the bare, like, minimum, which was she would have understood and known what the throne of David meant. She would have understood that the Christ, the Messiah, to come was going to be of the line of David, was going to fulfill the Davidic throne. He was going to fill the eternal reign and the kingdom that was to come forever that would liberate the Jewish people. He would literally be born royalty she knew at least that. And so, Mary, knowing this, when the angel says, hey, listen, you're going to give birth to this guy, she knows what he's talking about, at least to a bare minimum perspective. But then not only this, she knew what was going to happen, but she verified it. Because later on, the passage says, uh, which we didn't read, but it, it happens right after verse 38, where she goes to Elizabeth, where Elizabeth is. And as she sees Elizabeth, she's able to verify, what? Elizabeth, you pregnant? Two? What? What's going on? Not only that, but then when they share stories, Elizabeth's able to tell her, Gabriel came to you? The angel Gabriel came to me as well. So it couldn't have just been a hallucination. The same uh, uh, person came to both Mary and Elizabeth. And you have to understand this because Mary, being her cousin, but not knowing this, it also says in the passage that Elizabeth had not told anybody. For five months, she hadn't told anybody that she was pregnant. And yet, perfectly timed, Gabriel, in the sixth month, she's like, all right, I know Elizabeth's ready now. Time to go tell Mary about what's about to happen. And it's perfectly timed because then when Mary goes and sees Elizabeth, she's like, what is going on? This is crazy. And then Gabriel uses this to actually tell Mary, hey, this is actually how I'm going to show you this miraculous thing that's going to happen in you that you may think is impossible is going to happen. Go look at Mary. Go look at Elizabeth. Go look at your cousin who you know was old of age, who was, hey, she was, you know, she, unable to have kids. They probably at that point had already thought of, you know what, kids are out of the question. And so when she sees Elizabeth after so long, she's like, what? Baby bump. I see that. You, you have a baby going on too? And then the whole other miraculous exchange 
there as well. It's crazy. Because then what Mary probably was scared of, just some big hallucination, was verified as well of what the angel Gabriel had done before, what God had planned all throughout. You see, both of them couldn't have hallucinated this angel, but say that was the case. How could the same type of miracle happen? Two miraculous births that weren't possible. And then see it actually played out before their eyes. I would love to hear Mary and Elizabeth's perspective after the death and resurrection of uh, Jesus. Be like, guys, back when Gabriel came, what was going through your minds? And what about now? Because they saw John fulfill the role that God had appointed for him. They saw Jesus fulfill everything that was told to Mary and to Elizabeth through Zechariah who prophesied as well. Like all of these things wouldn't have happened in the way that they happened unless it be true. That's the miraculous nature of the story that points to Jesus' coming. How throughout all of these miraculous things, how God was orchestrating it so that he could send his only begotten son. He could send Jesus, fully God, fully man, down to earth to die for us on the cross, to be born first and die for us on the cross so that we may find life. That's the miraculous nature of what's going on with angel meeting Mary. But the other element is Mary's role in all of this. See, I want you to put yourself for a second. Just for a moment right now, wherever you happen to be joining us from, just for a moment, put yourself in Mary's shoes. Because she's an ordinary person, like you and me, encountering a very extraordinary, supernatural event. I mean, we read the angel saying to Mary, you're going to give birth to Jesus. We go... Love this story. Read it every Christmas. That's, a, that's awesome, you know. But in her mind, 2,000-something years ago, I bet you that's not what she was thinking. I mean, just think about it. Because we know who Jesus is today. But before Jesus, before John, before she could even verify anything with Elizabeth, there's an angel where she's at telling her she's going to give birth. And she hasn't even had sex yet. I mean, do you realize in her day what she was staring down? Just for a second, picture it with me. Number one, public humiliation for giving birth before marriage. Remember, she was betrothed. She wasn't married. And then add on top of that the possibility of Joseph, her betrothed, leaving her, which almost happened, by the way, which is another part of the story which we're not going to get to today. That almost happened. He left her. Guys, guys, come on, listen in for a second. Think about it. You're engaged to a girl, and she's like, listen, I, I, I got to tell you something. Y'all know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. I'm pregnant, but it's not yours. That's not, e- that's not an easy situation to maneuver. Like, I can't even picture what young Mary's thinking. So how do I break this down for Joseph? I have no idea what she was thinking and how this would happen. Hard situation. I mean, move on to the second one. The impossibility of having a child without sex. Like, Mary wasn't young, uh, too young to the point where she didn't know, like, I don't know how babies work, okay? I haven't had sex. 
She's like, I'm a virgin. How is that possible? And so the second thing that she faced was the impossibility in her eyes that God is going to do something unnatural, something that doesn't happen ever. And yet God somehow can still do that. I mean, 2,000 years later today, guys, come on. We still don't understand the entire way of that, how that happened. Sure, the Holy Spirit came over Mary. Absolutely. And I believe God can do anything because he rules. So I'm like, if God says he does it, I'm just going to follow him and believe him because at this point in my life, I'm like, God has shown me, like, Jesus died and rose again. I'm going to follow whatever he says because nobody can do that. And yet, I still don't understand. 2,000 years later, and yet Mary, in her situation, was told that this was going to happen. I can't even imagine how she thought that that would possibly happen. And then lastly, I am sure that she, like, most likely faced her own identity in self-doubt and self-worth fears. Because look at how, like when she says, how will this be? I'm, I, I'm a virgin to, to, the, to the angel Gabriel. I'm sure there were underlying levels of, uh, did you just say that I'm going to give birth to the Messiah? I don't think I can. Like, like just read the description of what the angel Gabriel says Jesus is going to be. He says, verse 32, he will be great. And we be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You have to realize that they were waiting for their king to come and reign. Because at this time they were under suppression from the current like, government that was around them. They were not reigning. They were just kind of surviving with corrupt uh, 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 religious system going on. And so they were waiting for the king to finally come, the royal one, the Messiah, to come and lead them out of the suppression, oppression, rather. And, and then the angel Gabriel's like, hey, Mary, yeah, you're going to play a part in this. And she's like, me? Like, that is a huge task to raise someone destined for that. And yet, somehow, throughout all of those obstacles, she is Mary, the mother of Jesus. How did she do that? There is something so crucial for you and I to learn today, and I want you to pay attention to this. We face decisions of faith in our lives every single day. We face decisions of faith in our lives every single day, like, kind of like Mary did. Decisions that may publicly humiliate us for the sake of our faith and following Jesus and believing in him. I mean, I know what other Christians, uh, other non-Christians believe about Christianity. They're like, what, you believe in that made-up story? You are so gullible. You believe in Christianity. Publicly humiliated. I mean, for, for, for standing up for the right things, even though culture may say it's wrong. We face situations in our life where we're like, this is impossible. How is God going to do this in my life? This seems impossible there's no way over this. Like logically, according to nature, it's impossible. God is not going to be able to do this. And yet somehow, this is exactly what Mary is facing with, with the whole virgin birth thing. And then lastly, and this is the big one, we doubt ourselves. When God has told us something, he's sending us something, he's promising us, promising us something, even when he tells us, this is how it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. I'm going to be doing something. You just need to follow me in this. What happens? 
our self-worth and fears, our lack of self-worth and fears of why would God ever use me? I am such a sinner. How can I serve God? I'm so unworthy. I'm such a failure. And many other self-doubting you know, ideas and thoughts and phrases, they come up, don't they? And what happens? We stop ourselves and destroy ourselves. Yet, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to look at what Mary does. See, instead of this, instead of doing what, what we normally tend to do, what she did was submitted and surrendered to God. Read verse 38. After all of this, after her, even her question, what does Mary say? Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The most important thing I could tell you today, church, listen in. In moments of decision, doubts, and danger, the best thing you could do is surrender to God. In moments of decisions, doubts, and danger, the best thing you could do is surrender to God. Do you realize how many things in your life could be changed? How many things in your life you could be a part of for other people's change? If, our, if your heart, if my heart was more surrendered to God in that, every time we face a thing in our life that we're like, we're scared and we want to run away from it and we don't like it. It seems impossible in our eyes. We're going to be publicly humiliated. Well, we're doubting ourselves and our value and our worth because of, even, even though God's calling us out to it. I want you to repeat what Mary says. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word, Lord. I pray that that would be our anthem. Just as Mary shows faith in God, choosing not to hold on to her understanding, choosing not to hold on to what she feels, but instead choosing to hold on to God, you've spoken. I'll follow. God, you've spoken. I'll follow. This Christmas season, let us learn to say this more. Let it be to me according to your will, God. Let it be to me according to your word, God. Let us learn to surrender to Jesus because that's exactly what he did for us. When he came down to earth, that was his way of surrendering himself to a lower form so that for a moment he could become a baby and live a short life and then die on the cross and pay for sins once and for all. Let us follow, not in the footsteps of Mary, but also in the footsteps of Jesus who surrendered himself. And that's where our salvation comes from. Church, Mary got to share in the greatest gift in all of human history because of her surrender. Imagine what God can do through you and your surrender to him. Your willingness to say, Jesus, despite what others may say, despite what my eyes tell me, Despite my own feelings of self-doubt, I will trust in your words.
That's my encouragement to you today. Let us, let us be a church that says, in those moments of danger, in those moments of doubts, in those moments of decisions, we say, God, let it be according to me as your word. Let it be to me according to you. That's my prayer for you. And that's my encouragement for you as well. Make sure to tune in on December 24th for our Christmas service at 11 a.m. We're going to be here live, worshiping live with you while you're at home. Make sure to get yourself into that Christmassy mood, whether it's a hot drink or Christmas PJs. Um, uh, I know uh, Daniel and the rest of the team are going to plan an awesome Christmas worship set for you guys. And I believe I have a word from God for Christmas for us this season as we walk into the new year. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll end with a song. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you you have given us life. Thank you so much for this message of hope that the angel Gabriel has brought 2,000 years ago. That true life is found in you. Father God, my prayer for our church today, my prayer for us today, is that we would learn to say, let it be to me according to your will, Lord. Father God, I pray even now as we're at home listening, as we're at home trying to figure out what do the next steps look like in this season? Whether we're at home feeling alone, whether we're just struggling with family stuff, whether we're just, just zoomed out or whatever platform we're losing, using, Lord Jesus, God, my prayer is that you'd help us to find life in everything. Help us to be ministers of life in this season. Help us to be ministers of hope, Lord Jesus, in this season. Help us to be people who encourage one another, love one another, bless one another. Jesus, my prayer is that you lead us into worship even in this season. Father God, we love you. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for these examples and these stories you've given us of Mary and people like, so that we may also follow that we may live that life of faith and serve you faithfully, Lord Jesus. And so God, we thank you and we praise you. And your holy, precious name we pray. Amen.